You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Hey everyone, it's me, D.B. Spitzer, and this over here, it's Farmer Dave, or this week, David Heath, because we're doing one of those uh, IRL episodes. Uh, no talking about Oleander this week, just just us. How's it you going, Dave? So, okay, here's the Wayne world. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot we do that. Um, I gotta... There we go. I pushed the fourth wall over by pressing my arcade p- fire poster really hard like normal. <laughs> anyway, um, so DB, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Um, I mean, you know, I do fight anxiety like really bad, and I did have a bad bout last week. But you know, it's I'm sorry to hear that. You know, it's it's something I you know talk about stuff in counseling, and just got to make sure I uh, monitor my diet because a lot of my 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 anxiety and stuff. Uh, if I just sleep right and uh, eat right, I'm, I'm doing great. But, you know, I got a new video game and I haven't been taking care of myself, so I had some issues. But anyway, RimWorld is amazing and I have 65 hours. <laughs> According to Steam, I have 65 hours completed in RimWorld and I didn't take care of myself, so I've been having a rough time. So. Well, well self-care is self-care, you know, oh, sometimes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there's, there's that balance. We sure, sure. That. Definitely, definitely. How are you doing, Dave? What's what's so, new with you? So I am doing pretty good. And, uh-huh. and so I have a story. Yeah. This is this is not a farmer Dave. This is so there is so much David Heath DNA mm-hmm. in Farmer Dave that yeah. it sometimes scares me. But so but this is this is the David Heath story. Cool. And I had my second short story published. Nice. Very nice. And, it was published by uh, Arkham Bazaar, yeah. And, and I remember, you know, I remember when I lived in California. So uh-huh. we're we're talking like, like 2010, 2009. You know, Arkham Bazaar. I would order my T-shirts, and they would put in, you know, uh, those newspapers. Yeah. For from the the uh, the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival in Portland. I go, Gee, Portland, that strange alien place I'll never visit in my <laughs> lifetime. I wish they did this down here. Yeah. Um, so um, so in the 2015, the, the uh, Love, uh, Lovecraftian Microfiction Collection 2, mm-hmm. uh, I have my first published short story. It was called The Whore Behind the Door. Ooh. And it was what's Scares H.P. Lovecraft. Uh-huh. You know what the the horror was behind the door? What was that? Sonia Green. <laughs> For those of you who don't know that, that was Lovecraft's uh, wife, and he definitely had some intimacy issues that probably scared the heck out of him. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, what's what's been said. So. So on the new one, and you know, so I write some short stories in each year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and last year, the, they usually publish ten plus three bonus stories. All right. Uh, and so on my first one, I got the, the honorable mention, the, mm-hmm. the plus three, which cool. was fine with me because you know that was the last story. So I think mean, that's great. I'm finishing the book. And then on this year, yeah, 
you know, so they published the 13 and I didn't get it, but you know, uh, a friend, uh, Michael Carlisle, mm-hmm. uh, he won the, the big contest, you know, it's best. And, you know, and I helped him, I beta read his story and bluntly he deserved it. Nice. And, you know, I thought, God, gee, you know, okay, I didn't win. I'll come up with some new ones. And then, uh, Gwen Callahan, uh, who is over, uh, Arkham Bazaar, she mm-hmm. sent me an email, which I'm so glad. Um, okay. So, okay, well, I'm going to, well, I'm going to tell another email, sir. I don't check my emails. You of all people know that, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I found, I found two or two months ago, mm-hmm. this story from an uh, email from Gwen and it said, Hey David, you did such a great job on your, um, on the, your comics and Lovecraft, uh, panel uh last year is there any chance you can do a throw i know it's a quick but can you throw up a a panel now and she sent it last october yeah it got in some weird file i didn't get it until like two months ago oh it was completely my fault not hers Mm -hmm. but i was like oh man i almost i wanted so badly to do something like that it's almost better that i didn't didn't know but so yeah if, if you're going to contact me you probably best to do it on facebook uh, but okay, or that's besides the point. So she sent me this uh, email and said, "Hey, we're going to send you a copy, uh, your uh, author's copy of the book." And I assumed that they were republishing my first story, but no. When it came in the mail yesterday, I will behold, it was a brand new unpublished story by me. Very nice, very nice. And it is called. Backmasking. Ooh. Do you know what it's about? No. Backmasking. You know, well, you know what backmasking is? Backmasking, as in recording backwards, so that exactly. Huh. So that so this guy gets this this uh, rare 1940s record mm-hmm. that's supposed to be written by you know the uh, this this singer uh, Audrey Bourne, mm-hmm. who you know I describe as a you know uh uh, Patty Smith in the the time of Patsy Cline. Mm-hmm. She's supposed to have all this black magic. So he gets the 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 CD. He gets the uh, uh, the LP and he plays it backwards. Hmm. And then something happens. Ooh. And I won't spoil it, but it's only a 500 page story. So okay. Uh, and for those, you know, we we always guest. We always uh, let them know. You can get this, and it's a really good deal this year at Arkham Bazaar, and it's two. It's the Challenge of Beyond, which is a run uh, around Robin writing with a writer, about six or seven writers telling a story, just like the original Challenge from Beyond was a, a round robin story with Lovecraft and Robert E. Howard, uh, some incredible art, and 26 microfiction stories. And it's only ten dollars. Their normal one, which is about half this size, uh, is runs eight. So it's a great, great deal. Cool. Very cool. Nice. So, so yeah, that was my good news. Good. Glad to hear. Cool. So what do we got going on this week, Dave? We've got uh, this IRL part here. We've got uh, the. So we've got. Uh, we're still celebrating Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I think we're going to be celebrating Star Wars even past May. Ooh. But we've got Lee Sargent. And um, 
Lee is from Australia. Cool. But he's also a visual artist. He's mm-hmm. got a very sort of um, – he described almost sort of this ch- – this Japanese form he found that looks almost like simple childhood, but it's very, very good, especially if you know the subject. So mm-hmm. he does a lot of Star Wars pictures. Nice. So instead of maybe focusing on what Princess Leia looks like, mm-hmm. he can focus on the emotions mm-hmm. or, or the feelings. And so he's going to give us a view of Star Wars from a, a visual artist perspective. Nice. Nice. Well, that's that's cool. Uh, too bad this is just an audio uh, <laughs> recording. Well, well, if you're on Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, his, uh, his page is Lee, L-E-E, Draws Stuff. No, oh, nice. Well... Let's listen to that right now after this uh, ad for Monster Kid Radio. And after that, it'll be me and Dave talking about some more Joseph Campbell. And uh, we'll try and relate it to Star Wars more this time. (laughs) All right. We'll see you after the break, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to 1130 AM KZOM, Oleander, Oregon. Up next, some farm report. And just again, an announcement by the City of Oleander City Council to remind all citizens that skunks have the right of way on all roads. So yeah, you don't want to you don't want to run into that one in the wrong way. And we have a special guest today, and I am really excited about that. And that is Lee Sargent. And you, Lee, you're, you're a, a visual artist, but you're all the way over in Australia, Australia, correct? That's exactly right. Yes. So, so here, it's three o'clock in the afternoon on Friday, <laughs> but it's eight yes. o'clock in the morning. Um, eight o'clock in the Saturday. morning, Saturday. So it, it, it's almost like talking to someone from the future. So I got a Pretty question. I got to ask you: Did America <laughs> do anything stupid last night? I, I, I feel that there's a there's a there's an easy answer there that will get me away with um I feel I feel that there's an easy answer there that I could give and, and still make it okay probably um, probably but yes it's it's I, I try not to give spoilers to the other side of the world that that's understandable that's understandable <laughs> hey, I, hey I love it, it my does country. work out for us when we do um when they do international releases of stuff and we get um we we can get stuff uh 24 hours earlier than than say the US, which is kind of neat. So anything like, um, so sometimes with Netflix and um, uh, Disney Plus and stuff, when they say the date is this, and, and that's it means we actually get to see it a little bit earlier than um, than everyone else. You um, get to so, open yeah, your but, Christmas presents earlier too. That, that that's exactly right. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's uh, a win win. You name it. We 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 said goodbye to um we said goodbye to 2020 um before everyone else did so. <laughs> so so um. Tell us a little bit about your artwork. Yeah, cool. Uh, so I do it, the, the the best way to describe the way I, I draw is uh, I draw probably uh, whimsical, uh, childlike kind of drawings, which which um, which I think is a great way of describing it. it wasn't some I've had, tried to develop a description over the years um, as people describe kind of the way I draw. Um, because I, I kind of like I love this idea of of 
uh, for years I would kind of I, I really really wanted to draw the way that my idols drew in comic books and you know people like Alex Ross who do realistic you know paintings of people and stuff and I was always jealous of all that and then and then one day it kind of uh, I was visiting visiting I think Singapore of all places and there was this amazing beautiful kind of simple kind of Asian style artwork which was childlike and I just fell in love with that kind of style and I went apparently it's okay to draw like that if you want to <laughs> so absolutely I, I started, yeah and so whilst it's not probably commercial um it, it certainly kind of um, scratched the itch that I had for wanting to kind of create and stuff so I, I started drawing um I started developing this style and about I think about four or five years ago I did a thing called the Star Trek 365 which was 365 days of of a, a brand new drawing every day um and and the challenge was themed around star trek because i i had to pick a theme and and i knew that really really well and so i did that for for the full year and and it was an extraordinary journey because the the whole concept is is that eventually you become so exhausted that you you, your natural style will come out um, yeah. because you just you can't you can't put anything on anymore. Um, and so you know on those days where you you uh, just don't have a huge amount of time, you you will draw quickly and from what's inside you. And and that actually developed over that twelve months. Um, and you can actually see where it starts shifting. And and that was really exciting. And and. Because that was also very Star Trek focused, it was over the years that it's been, I mean, obviously that's going to be a core focus for me, but um, the these kind of innocent, whimsical drawings kind of are hilarious when you kind of stick zombies in them or, um, or you do a scene from Alien with the chestburster coming out with these mm. kind of you know um <laughs> children's book style illustrations and and that's kind of that's what i've done so it, it's 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 not my full-time gig um it, i am actually a, a digital marketer in the in the real world um but it's my outlet for creativity and and it's a, a valuable part of my life and people seem to enjoy it so that's been um, a win-win well, I always enjoy when I see uh, your pictures on uh, the internet or, or Facebook. So, yeah, it's awesome to hear. Oh, but so let's talk about Star Wars. So yeah. what, are, what are some of maybe your original Star Wars experiences? Well, I, I'm old enough, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm actually as old as Star Wars. I was born in the same year as Star Wars coming out. Um, so I remember Empire Strikes Back is my probably earliest memory of something new. Um, I was always aware of... Um, I, I remember going to the video store and seeing the Star Wars uh, cover, and I probably got Star Wars out a couple of quite a few times. And I, always, I do remember my mother once asking me, are you sure you want to get that out again? Um in direct reference to Star Wars, so so I definitely must have watched it a fair bit as a kid. Um, but I remember your yeah, Empire Strikes Back coming. I remember being able to see that for the first time um, and being like super excited. And the the VHS that it was actually on um, when it was released here in Australia, the VHS copy that I had uh, actually had um, 
a problem at the line where uh, Han Solo cuts open the um, the Tonton um, and he says, you know, he says, I, I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Well, that actual line repeated in the copy that I had rented. Um, and because I watched the video, I think it must have been four or five times before returning it, you know, the 24 hours later type of thing. Um, that line always stands out in my memory because of that. This is like a, the video jumped and, and, rec- and said it twice. Um, and then I remember like Return of the Jedi coming out of the cinemas and say it was such a big thing. And, and you know, people would dress, you know, they would have people dressed up as Darth Vader to attend these things. These are proper cultural events. So I was lucky enough to grow up with that. And then, of course, then there was the whole, I guess, um, the dark period when there was nothing. Um, and then the, and then that trailer for Phantom Menace dropped and it was like, Okay, I'm I'm a child again. This is so exciting, uh, and it was such a great trailer. And, and, and say what we will about the film, it may not have delivered, but it was the, the trailer was it was all Star Wars, and so that was so exciting. So I, I've, Star Wars has just been part of my life, um, literally, because I was born in the same year as it. There, there was yeah. never a period in my life where Star Wars didn't exist. I guess so. So it's ingrained in our society, and it's us, you know, um, and that's that's really that that journey that kind of watching Star Wars and and, and leaving the franchise too, and becoming disenfranchised with it um, when it just wasn't for me anymore, and then kind of coming back to it recently because the animated stuff is so good. Um, oh yeah, and, and the Mandalorian has just. Uh, slam dumped it and completely got my interest back into it whereas the films probably didn't as much um but yeah it's just it's it's a franchise which has been despite kind of hiccups and despite what some people may say (laughs) um it's a franchise that has handled its own look and feel and everything really really well over a very long period of time and absolutely absolutely in fact um do you think the fact that maybe that you're a visual artist that you gives you a different perspective than other people into Star Wars? Ah, oh, yeah, this is that's a great question because it's it's it's. I think you always bring what you, um, I think you always bring your own kind of interest to something. So I imagine musicians listen to watch movies and pick up musical cues that I wouldn't even begin to imagine. So the visual side of things is is something which I think is absolutely fascinating with star wars because it's one of those kind of things where star wars was made in 1977 and um you know they've never balked at the look and feel of that film um over the years so uh the flip side of i guess star trek which was done in the 60s and then of course they they've brought out new stuff but then they've come, kind of gone back to that era and they've mm-hmm. completely redesigned everything and they've completely updated and made it all futuristic and whatever. Um, whereas the Mandalorian... Yeah, lens flares, you know, you know, it's everything's got to be all slick and, and you know, um, because you have to believe it's set in the future and it's like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things you've you, you got to believe, apparently. Um, but in The Mandalorian, that's that could have been... Like they're going back to practical shots for stuff, and they yeah, and and then they've also developed this new technology that that allows them to kind of replicate that kind of look and feel. So they never, they've never like you could put the Mandalorian next to the nineteen seventy seven Star Wars, and you know that they're in the same universe, and you know that they're not, 
they, they've never kind of stepped too far away from what it looks and feels like because they know the fans would hate that. And that's exactly. why, um, from a visual point of view, I applaud that because that's a masterclass in staying true to what you're designing. So even when they were designing kind of everything for Phantom Menace and all that, um, and yes, there's all this kind of argument about, oh, you know, they, they had all the robots and stuff, so why would they go backwards? And it's like, it's, it's a galaxy far, far away. You'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> you just kind of roll with it. But everything looked right. Everything joined up. Like the, the clone troopers were, look, you know, they're an earlier inter, an earlier version of the stormtroopers that we know, um, and even the storm, the whatever they call the stormtroopers now, um, in the in like the the latest films, they you know they they were they, they still look the same. You line them up and you go, oh okay, I can see where that's been developed, type of thing. So and, from and a evolution. visual point of view, it's stunning. Yeah, evolution. That's exactly what I was—I was trying to—the the word I was trying to find there. Yeah, it's you see an evolution properly, and even though you may, you know, you, particularly with the prequels, you may go, oh, you know, it, it, yes or no, but you can see where it goes from. You can see where that comes from, type of thing. You can see where, um, uh, you know, you look at Obi Wan Kenobi's um, his robes in the first film, and then you go back to brand new shiny robes. Uh, you know, it, it, they've they've thought about that. They've gone, you know, what would have, why would have Obi Wan Kenobi dressed like that, and what did the Jedi look like when they were in their prime? And they've and they've captured that really well. So visually, that helps the entire story because it's a. Um, because your brain at that stage is just uh, is making those connections and jumping whatever hoops it has to jump to to kind of say that this is one universe. Um, and it, they, it, it gives you a consistency. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that that's really, A, it's respectful to the artists who came before. Um, and this is the other thing that I think um, is that the people who are making Star Wars throughout the generations and stuff they clearly love it um and they yeah. clearly respect it and you see that in the documentaries around the mandalorian where they kind of say you know this re recreating a can the cantina it's important to get it right it's important to get jabba's palace right because this this matters to so many people and i you know and in the grand scheme of things it's not you know it, but it does it it does give in particularly in horrible times, people uh, a nice reassuring thing where you go, I don't feel cheated, you know. I didn't, I don't, uh, you know. Oh, here's Jabba's palace, but it's reimagined and it's you know blah blah blah. And it's like, just you know, stay true to it and don't, don't cheat me on this. And that's and that's what I love about the fact that that Star Wars over you know forty something years has has maintained that um and hasn't balked at that and that's integrity of a visual design and it's such a cool design <laughs> oh absolutely so forget forget everything else it's just that everything in is so cool looking you can even if you don't like the films or you don't like the story i think you would be hard pressed to look at all the designs of everything and say that's not cool <laughs> oh absolutely yeah so some of the stuff that maybe i didn't and, and and I think you caught it right when you were talking about that trailer. Mm. You're right. I don't think there's been a trailer since then that has got me about as excited as something. It, yeah. So sometimes maybe it doesn't carry out the way I like. But yeah, yeah. it looks amazing. Oh no, that's the thing. The the, the clone, like the the um, the prequels, which probably 
I'm, I, you know, I don't think I was the target audience for the prequels, and I think that's the thing that a lot of people have grappled with. Was Lucas kind of went back and and, and I think that he had this, I, I don't, and I don't think that he got it correct, um, but because I think he was trying to do a balance. But I think it was more designed for kids, and it was designed for the the people who the original Star Wars were designed for, but at that age group. And so I kind of struggle with something like the pod race and stuff like that. It's clear what that is. And it's, you know, and to me, it was yeah, like, no, I think you're on. absolutely right. He, he had kids between the two. Exactly. And so, and, but then we're talking about trade embargoes. It's like the, the greatest kids film about trade embargoes ever. Um, but so, so there was, so there was a mixed kind of thing going on there, but the look and feel of it, like I just don't think you can, you, I don't think you can throw stones at it because it's just um, the 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 look and the vibe and the music is, is again really really fantastic. So you got to go back and look at that film in a. It is just a spectacle of sight and sound and. Yes, the storyline is. Uh, I've warmed to it over the years, so I actually have a bit of a soft spot in it for Mark, you know. Um, but yeah, it's it's that it's that and that trailer encompassed that completely because I think it opened with the misty kind of, um, you know, valleys of of Naboo and and yeah. it was the guy on the um on that kind of who's riding some sort of two legged horse type of thing, and it kind of had the vibe of of. AT, AT, oh yeah, the AT walkers and, and, you know, it was almost that just, and it was just Star Wars. It was, it was, that was this beautiful kind of sequences like, oh, this is spine tingle kind of material. Um, and then, it, and yeah, I remember the cheers in the cinema when the um, the music came up and they had retained the opening crawl and, and all that. And we saw Lucasfilm. Um, yeah, it's just it was. It, it, these are the things. These were the these are the kind of parts of the st- of our lives where, as we were growing up. So it was very nice to see this companion coming along. And then, of course, it had it, it did what it did. And, and there were bits were of, of it that are fantastic, and there are bits of it that you kind of go, I just I don't know why you would do this like this. But anyway, um, but overall, it, it survived that, and it kind of moved into. And as I said, the Clone Wars. Um, cartoon or animated series and I I was very sceptical of the Clone Wars um, when the film came out because it was clearly aimed at kids but that's not something which bothers me because I think young adult entertainment can be extraordinarily smart and extraordinarily well done Um, and I and I watched that film and I was like oh wow okay I, I, I love the concept I love everything um ahsoka this is she's this annoying little character that's been forced on us um into this clone wars thing and then i watched the whole series uh, you know as it came, came out and stuff and and fell in love with ahsoka she's my favorite character now we um, watched her grow Ted, up literally yeah watched her grow up and and, and yeah watch this uh, this animated character grow up and then become real in the mandalorian which is again another thing that i love about the mandalorian they don't uh, they don't back off from you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna have a big character from from the animated series or a big character from even the original trilogy, we're just gonna put them on screen and we're not gonna just go, oh yes, there's so and so in the background. We're actually gonna have them, and I think that's super exciting. So. Yeah, no, um, you know that you know that I like something if I have a goat named after it, and I have a, a <laughs> I have a goat named Ahsoka Dano. 
so oh, that's uh, fantastic. So we're running out of time here, but I got a I got a question Sorry. for you. Yeah. If if let's say Disney came to you and said, "Hey, budget's not a problem. You're in charge of any one Star Wars project." What would it be? Oh wow! You've got okay. Now you've put me on the spot for that. Okay. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, I'd like to do something. Um, so I'd probably try, and I don't have a. I don't think I have a great answer for you apart from I'd like to follow in what John Favreau's done and and really pick a genre to try and um and do it again in star wars so he's picked obviously westerns and that's the mandalorian and i'd i'd love to do some sort of kind of adventure kind of indiana jones style type of thing in the star wars universe so pick a character that people know and stuff but don't know particularly well and 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 have them go on adventures or, or doing um i really love the idea of of ray kind of picking over the bones of the old empire um so i love the idea of kind of uh shipwreck um you know <laughs> going after treasure or something like that i think something could be really interesting around something like that and that it would either be animated or live action it wouldn't matter because i think we've we've crossed those lines now where you can do either but i'm loving the bad bunch right now so yeah yeah i easily could go into animation so yeah something like that so i think something like that I, i'd just like to take a kind of even the bounty hunters or something maybe you know have one of the bounty hunters that everyone kind of loves and go yeah he's, he's no longer kind of chasing humans he's or, or, or whatever, um, he's kind of, you know, abseiling into old Star Destroyers and, and, and diving with, um, you know, to retrieve memorabilia from the, the Clone Wars or whatever. So, Yeah, I, w- um, I don't know. Are you familiar much with the, the new comics? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not. There, there, there's, to... a, there's a character, uh, Dr. Afra. Right, and she is sort of Indiana Jones meets Boba Fett. Oh, I she's see. a yeah. mercenary archaeologist, and I would love—I don't know if I could do it justice—but I would love to make that a uh, a uh, a live uh, action uh, TV series. I'd be awesome. That it sounds all it sounds perfect. It sounds exactly what I was thinking. Actually, so I have to check that out. I didn't realize that. Um, yeah, I'll have to check that yeah. out. So she, she, a lot of people don't like her because she's, she's not a bad guy. She's not a villain. Mm. She always ends up doing what's right because it's what's going to save her life. But yeah. she's not completely honest, and uh, she, she's a huge Darth Vader fanboy until Darth Vader <laughs> tried to kill her a couple times. Right. Uh, no, but uh, on me, I would definitely, I, I definitely check out uh, Doctor Afra. Yeah, cool. I will. I'll definitely check that out. But um, it's uh, interesting you you raise that. I think also I think one of the video games did it from the Empire's point of view, and I thought that was really interesting um, because there's this kind of thing of when you're in the middle of it type of thing. Um, it's hard to tell who the baddies are sometimes. You know, yeah. you bring you, you know it's a it's a kind of classic Roman Empire type of situation where you're bringing education, medication, and you know infrastructure and stuff to these kind of planets, and they all hate you because you you know your organization in general is evil, but at the same time you you are kind of bringing that type of stuff to the to the masses, and I think that's kind of a fascinating view of it as well. Um, you know, it doesn't excuse you know it's clearly they're clearly evil, but there was also there's always a 
joke in Monty Python where they were like, what have the Romans ever done for us? And they're like, oh, they brought us aqueducts. They're pretty good. And, you know, it's a bit like that for the Empire, I think. That's one of the things interesting is Afra is that, yeah. that her father was an archaeologist and disappeared and her mother was, was sort of killed by criminals. So she was rescued by stormtroopers. Yeah, so, see, that's so fascinating. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're her hero. They're, they're order to her. That's awesome. I am definitely going to check this out because I think that's fascinating. And like, particularly when you do have an overall picture of, you know, I think that's a fascinating element to saying it's not, you know, this, it is this thing where it's like, you know what, they would have brought order to certain areas and they would have provided safety and security. And we only see it when they're chanting rebels down and stuff, but we don't see it when they're stopping, you know, crime lords and et cetera. Um, exactly. it, 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 that's, that's a really, you know, it's, it's, I don't know what it says about my personality to kind of want that. No, <laughs> but I acknowledge that they need to go down. <laughs> so, um, and hopefully we can have you. I just love talking about this. Maybe next time we do Star Trek or something else, I hope to get you on the show. But uh, yeah. where can people see your art? Online I think the easiest or... place. Yeah, I think the easiest place. Obviously, I'm probably probably bigger on the socials, but I won't kind of list through them out because I think you can find me pretty much everywhere. Um, if you go to leadrawsstuff.com, um, exactly as it sounds, uh, that's probably a good hub to start from. But you can find me on Twitter and Facebook and and instagram and stuff so um and it's just yeah I, I generally do daily stuff like i've currently got a daily thing going on right now so you generally will see something um and you and i've tried to kind of separate out my own personality with um making sure i've got art accounts so that you can kind of just follow the art if you want you don't need to listen to my thoughts on anything um <laughs> but uh it's yeah so so yeah check that out check that out and i'm always kind of um it, it, anyone who kind of as you said you you know if you see you see something one day it just tickles your fancy and brightens your day that's that's enough for me i think that's awesome and that makes um it all worthwhile the sharing of it um because some people obviously you know aren't going to love what you do and We'll let you know that because it's the internet. <laughs> but, uh, yes. but I like to focus on the people who went, you know what, today was really good. I smiled for about five seconds because I saw a picture of, you know, this cute picture of whatever, um, or something horrible and disgusting, but it was cute. Um, yeah, that, that just makes it for me. Excellent. And we'll have uh, DB, our producer, he'll put some links in. Uh, and again, can't wait to have you next uh, on the show. Uh, yeah, next, yeah. Next up, though, we're going to do it live for our local high school football team but because of a miscalculation and uh, programming at the school the football game and the soccer game will be on the same field at the same time so we're going to have football and football at the same time <laughs> thank you again and lee Sargent, and this has been the farmer dave show shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters you won't believe your ears when you listen to monster kid radio here your host derek m cook and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classics and sometimes not so classic monster movies subscribe to monster kid radio through itunes or stitcher or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of monster kid radio go through the archives for interviews with sarah karloff 
Victoria Price and Joel Hodson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio. Hey everyone, it's us. We're back. Hey Dave, how are you yes. doing? How 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 are you doing? I am well. I mean, I've I've been tired. I, it's been warm and stuff, but I, I'm I'm doing okay. How about yourself? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. I just wanted to you know get you to say your catchphrase so we can oh. sell some t-shirts. All right. Now that we're done with. Sell some t-shirts. Here is D&D on Joseph Campbell and the Monomyth. Star Wars and the Monomyth. Dave, where were we? We're we're, we're in part three. Part part three, three. the return. Yeah. So, according to Star Wars, uh... What? Uh, we're we're in we're in the last chunk of it. We're we're uh, or uh, according to Joseph Campbell, we're in the last chunk of it, which is crossing crossing. I'll just go over the basics. It's uh, crossing the first threshold, or, or we're now into like supernatural aid refusal of. Oh no no no! Wait a minute. Oh okay, here we go. So yeah. Refusal of return. Yeah. Yes. Refusal of return, magic flight, rescue from without, crossing the return threshold, master of two worlds, and freedom to live are what we're going to be covering, just so people are like can follow along at home. Unfortunately, I was looking at a, a, a story circle flipped the opposite way of the one I was looking at the other day. So, <laughs> And this is, I would say... In a lot of ways, the rarest, mm-hmm. because a lot of the writers, at least modern writers, they focus on the first two. But there's still, and a lot of, maybe they don't get the third story of the trilogy. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's it's in Star Wars. I think in some ways it's kind of the the. Um, in, in the sequels. Yeah. And I think the best uh, Star Wars example, and, and I get that people don't like it, mm-hmm. but when Luke's exile, because basically Luke's story or the Skywalker family story, it's when Luke, you know, exiles himself on that planet with the, por- the porgs, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and the blue milk. Because he doesn't want to go back. He's messed up. He doesn't want to go back. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, refu- uh, refusal of return, I was definitely going to say, is like uh, Luke definitely uh, pushing himself away from uh, society in general. And yeah, no, no, that's that's very interesting that that's the way that someone chose to go. And... <laughs> And you can see a little bit of that, though, in Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when he refuses to fight his father. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was, like, trying to figure out at one point in time, it's like, with the first movie, it's like, what is the refusal of return? And it's like, oh, it's, 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 that's not really part of it. If, if, if we're going with a larger story, we can't just go with, 
the first story, even though Lucas uh, cites... And, and there's this kind of a refusal of the return when Han Solo takes off. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. He says, "Hey, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not in for it for your your rebellion." Yeah, and and so he refuses, but but he does. He comes back. Mm -hmm. So so yeah, and but and again, you can kind of see this into things. You can you you can shoehorn anything, but but I I think that's a good example is Han, you know, coming back Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. not coming wanting to come back at first. Yeah. And then our next example is the magic flight. Yes. And the classic example in mythology is Gilgamesh returning with the the lizard of immortality. Mm -hmm. Um, So, um, and I think the example, and again, you can shoehorn anything there, but I think the sort of the example in Star Wars. Mm It is Ray finding Luke. Yeah, you know she's she is she is bringing the real world to him in the form of the lightsaber, and then he just throws it over his shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was gonna say with the uh, original uh, New Hope, I'm gonna say like the magic flight is like that's like. Is that running away from uh, the detention center? I mean, is that is that like <laughs> what part are we at with like New Hope? I'm like oh, trying to rack my brain about it. Is that like um, the magic flight? Is that Luke crossing the uh, chasm with Princess Leia? You know, kiss for good luck kind of stuff. Um, or is it when he surrenders himself? Mm-hmm. Because Vader knows he's there. Hmm. Interesting. And I think too, and the Rogue One, you know, you were def- they were definitely gonna, they were definitely copying sort of Star Wars. But I think the magic flight in Rogue One is they, when Le- when you know, Vader's chasing him, and they've got that data file, and they, you know, he's throwing you know, rebels left and right, and they mm-hmm. get it through the door, and just, I think that's the magic flight in Rogue One. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's the, it's kind of like the, 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 is it, w- would you say it's the, the final chase before the major showdown? Um, uh- if, yes. If we're gonna be, if 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 we're gonna say like action movie sci-fi kind of stuff, if we're you know plotting it over that, it's it's like it's it's the quick getaway um, that goes uh, hand in hand with with the next part for sure, and the the part after that for definite sure, but kind of like the boom boom boom, kind of like the chase sequence. Um, and then you have, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself too far, but it's like the magic flight is like, um, escaping with the boon. And then we go into the next part, which is rescue from without, um, just as the hero may need guides and assistance to set out on the quest. Often he must have powerful guides and rescuers to bring him back to everyday life. 
So this is Princess Leia, I'm thinking. It's like she's, she's you know, in the magic flight, she is the boon, but also the rescue from without. Like, those dummies would have been stuck in the hallway if Princess Leia wouldn't have just grabbed the blaster shot and went, like, we're going down there. And then, I don't know. Uh. <laughs> Definitely. And I, I think I think in, in Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. it's, it's his dad defending him and, yeah. and throwing the Emperor over the yeah. side. Uh, and, you know, again, send your hate mail to David Heath, <laughs> care of Radio Free Oleander. Mm-hmm. But the, it's oh, in the, the Rise of Skywalker, it's that huge fleet that pops up. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, no. And I'm, I'm, like, thinking of, like, various times. It's like, oh, uh, various things if you're you're going to go with the monomyth. And, um, oh, man. Um, like, uh, what, the other day we were talking about, like, Army of Darkness and Rescue from Without is definitely all of the villagers trained in martial combat, you know, fighting the deadites. You know, it... <laughs> the, uh, what was it? The, the red, the Earl Red, or whatever the 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 raider, the border raider who leads the army to help him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> it's been so yeah. long. I don't remember specifics like that. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, <clears throat> yeah, rescue from without. Getting a little, uh, getting by with a little help from your friends. I want to say. Uh, exactly. And crossing of the return threshold. Uh, Campbell says in Hero with a Thousand Faces that the returning hero to complete his adventure may survive the impact of the world. The trick in returning is to retain the wisdom gained on the quest to integrate that wisdom into human life and maybe figure out how to share the wisdom with the rest of the world. Earlier in the book, Campbell says, was what I read off Wikipedia. So, yeah. and to me, and, and if I think of it this way, I like this scene much. But I have to admit, I've never been a fan of what Harrison Ford calls mm-hmm. the teddy bear picnic at the end. Mm-hmm. But that's what this is. Yeah. You know, it's a celebration. You know, what's what's more real world than a party? Yeah. You know, we've done it. We've changed. And and oh oh, and by the way. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Luke and Leah are brothers and sisters. It's okay. You're you're the only one. In... So this is returning to the the new world in this case, but also the 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 regular world. They're no longer. I mean, we they're no longer in this rebellion. Mm-hmm. They may still have to fight. Yeah. But for all they they're this is the midway of Star Wars. They are maybe. The first Death Star is the Midway, and this is Iwo Jima. You know, they're they're on their way to victory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Crossing the return, uh, crossing the return threshold. In uh, this way, in this way, <laughs> it, it's the universe is back to normal. The universe is going back to the Republic. Yeah, and and any science fiction or horror movie that involves portals, this is the hero stepping back through the portal. This is Michael J. Fox returning back to his time. It's it's um, Conan taking the crown. Yeah, it's I mean. yeah. yeah, and and definitely, definitely, and you know, I use this because it's one of the most famous one they use in school. Mm-hmm. But uh, Gilgamesh 
stops being an adventurer, he becomes king. Yeah. You know, um, Beowulf, you know, he, he is, you know, he has returned. There's this period, and of course the dragon's going to come back, but he gives up adventuring to be the king. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, crossing of the return threshold. I'm, I'm, I'm reading that it's uh, when Luke appears to help the resistance in their desperate hour. Yes. Yeah. I, I like. I, that. I, I, I agree like that. that. Yeah. And then the next one, the Master of Two Worlds. Master of Two Worlds. Well, we see that in the books. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, Luke is a Jedi, but he's also this political military figure. Yeah. He's mastered the force, but he's mastered, you know, the war, the galaxy. Yeah. So he's in, he's got one foot in the force side and one force in the the real world. This is done really simply also in like Return of the Jedi. It's like Master of Two Worlds. It's like Luke leaning on the rail of the Ewok village, hanging out with his friends, having a good time, being part of the physical world while looking off and seeing um, depending on what what um, what edition you're watching, um, several Jedi's. I don't know. Have they added Jedi's yet? I'm not sure. Okay, because I, I I keep thinking they're going to start adding Liam Neeson at any point in time, yeah. and Luke's going to be like, "Wait a minute, who's yeah. that guy? <laughs> who's my dad yeah. hanging out with?" <laughs> but yeah, no, that's that's like uh, that's that's like peace and purpose that's that's like uh i don't know um in 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 uh army of darkness it's ash telling you know telling the guy about how he's so awesome that he you know did all this stuff and you know it's like you realize that he is back in the world and that not only does he now have a cool metal hand he has an amazing story and he's the coolest guy at his uh <laughs> department the, the, store <laughs> you know he can in stack his mind. Bed, he can t- stack you know uh betting yeah and fight the deadite that comes exactly exactly yeah no i mean you know the other ash couldn't have done that and he is he is, or another example is when Superman is comfortable with Clark Kent. Mm-hmm. You know he he is he realizes that he he is in both worlds. He can be you know save the day, but he can also you know be at the water cooler and uh, uh, the Daily Planet. Yeah, yeah, pretty crazy stuff. And then after that, we have freedom to live. And like, freedom to live is. Uh, let's see, what's what's Wikipedia have to say? And, and this is the one that I, I think is always sort of the weakest. For a lot of people, you write all the other stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, this is but, like the pan out, the music showing yeah. the amazing. This is like in Return of the Jedi. This is the panning out and showing. Do 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 do, do yup nup. And then it switches into the John Williams music and stars and credits and boom. And I want to say, like, that's what it is, too, with, I mean, this is, like, how how all of the Star Wars freedom to live, even if it's, like, a bad ending, like, Empire Strikes Back, you're still free to live with the awfulness. Um, but, I mean, 
freedom to live. Yeah, it's it's a very weak one in this step. Mastery leads to the freedom, the f uh, fear of death, from which uh, I, I'm not even going to read it. It's 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 the part right before the credits. <laughs> so I think the best example, yeah, is from Matrix when Neo's talking on the phone to the Matrix. You know, he says, you know, we're changing things, and you, you don't scare me. And then he flies off like Superman. Oh, is that the third one? No, that's the first one actually. Oh, so a okay. lot of times. A lot of time, especially with modern writers, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. will not always do this in order. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, no, no, but, no. Or I, even in the, the last one, which I've only seen once, like 10 years ago, mm -hmm. he, he, he's willing to sort of, he's in this case, he's willing to accept death. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Interesting. So we definitely focused on Star Wars. Oh, yeah. There's a new show out I'd like to kind of bring talk about just real quickly. Oh, what's that? And that is the Dave Batista Zack Snyder vehicle, Army of the Dead. Oh. Which um it's basically it's basically a heist movie mm -hmm. in aliens if the aliens were zombies. Okay. And it's got queen zombies and king zombies. Um but uh, it not only does it follow this very much, it has a character that's kind of this philosopher warrior, uh -huh. and he quotes different philosophers. Hmm. But he also he quotes Joseph Campbell. You know, he says Joseph Campbell. He talks about going in the darkness, uh -huh. and it's kind of the way it's set up. It is it's the end of the story. You see yeah. the in the in the and I don't want to spoil too much, but yeah. if you haven't seen it, we're going to try to avoid spoilers, but they may pop up. Uh, Are you still I, listening? Are you still listening? I, I'm I'm still listening. So the credits are kind of the credits. It's like a four or five minute credit mm -hmm. to Frank Sinatra. Yeah, and that is part one, the departure. Hmm. So the the pre credit scene and and the credits basically are part one and part two. Oh, here's a, here's here's uh, here's here's less of a spoiler and more of a criticism. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but is the uh, credit sequence heavy-handed music uh, used in television used instead of actually telling a story uh, like most Zack Snyder films? <laughs> um, so so so. Where, where it might uh, as well I, just I, be a music I, video. <laughs> I, 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 so in ways, yes, it tells you you know. Why? Um, and, and I'll be the first. I like the movie. Uh -huh. Don't think too much about this movie, people. Yeah. If you think too much about it, you go, "Well, wait a minute, Jim. What was that for?" So, um, but I'll give you an example that they do in the music. So they got uh, Frank Sinatra music in. Yeah. And the zombies are running through uh, Vegas. Yeah. So the army sends in a bunch of paratroopers, but the paratroopers land, and there's all these zombies, and they're eating all the paratroopers. Yeah. So they, they, they show you that scene in like six seconds, and then they wall off Vegas. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So And there's going to be some, I guess, uh, some prequel stories that are going to cover like part one or two. Gotcha. But this part really focuses on three, and to kind of demonstrate it, that they have this character who quotes, you know, Joseph Campbell, mm -hmm. and, and talks about going into the darkness. Uh, yeah. And, you know, the, the, the sort of, and again, I think people can get this from watching the previews, but they've got a certain amount of time because all the zombies are trapped 
in the walled city of Las Vegas. So the president decides he's going to nuke Vegas. Uh-huh. So that's why there's, there's a sort of clicking time. And they need to get something mm-hmm. out and bring it back to the real world. Gotcha. And, and in this, and it's a lot more complicated than that. But in this case, it, 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 it's money. Okay. So I, th- I think that, that they really did. I mean, obviously they focused on. Obviously they do the hero with a thousand faces because they quote Campbell in the story. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that they one of the rare examples where they focus on the return. Hmm. As opposed to the part one and two. Yeah. Now there are there's flashbacks, you know, and, and and you know they offer him the money first, and he says no, and then he says yes. So that's refusal of the call. But story wise, I really think it focuses on part three. Hmm. Nice. Well, I'm gonna have to check that out instead of just watching uh, reviews and criticisms of it. But yeah. Yeah. You know what? It, it, it's if like I said, think too much about it. And. But if you're just going in, I want to watch a, uh, it's, it's an ensemble movie. So yeah. uh, Dave Bautista is, is great in it, but he doesn't get a really chance to shine because it's, it's an ensemble movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you just want to watch a, a, a zombie movie, yeah, it's, 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 it could have been a lot worse. And if you want to watch a good Zack Snyder zombie movie, uh, watch Dawn of the Dead. That is a great film. I still like that movie, even though I, I think it's the only Zack Snyder film that I've liked so far. <laughs> oh, you want okay? I, terrible confession. Sure. I have a lot of problems with it. Yeah. But I love the dream sequences in Sucker Punch. Oh, I haven't seen Sucker Punch. I I I, I just was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> and I was like, there, 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 there's a lot of questions there's a lot of problems there's yeah. a lot of storyline but the dream sequences or the other dimension sequences and mm-hmm. Sucker Punch are beautiful yeah yeah, yeah. I, oh, I, but, I, I oh, can't oh, really oh, say yeah. anything I haven't seen it but yeah uh, alright well I don't think we have much to say other than hey that's the monomyth um and also, that's and kind of. I hope that you find your freedom to live after you've mastered your two worlds. Oh, yeah. And I hope and, you return and get, home. Yes. And, and <laughs> have a safe magic flight. Yes. And, oh, I, I can't remember anymore. Okay, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Radio Free Oleander. Uh, next month, Dave, have we talked about what we're doing in uh, June? It's going to be a surprise. Ooh. It's going to be a surprise, okay? Although, I will say, we do have some extra interviews, so we should be talking with an expert on Hollywood and movie uh, about Star Wars. But uh, the rest will be surprises. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, uh, TBD by DB and uh, Dave. So, we'll see you next week, and uh, have a good rest of your month, and... Have an awesome June when we see it. Okay, cool. Hey, Dave, I want you to have a good rest of this month. And 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 you too. All right. Well, we'll see y'all later, or we'll talk to you all later. Goodbye. Be well. <laughs>